Welcome to the Book Arena. Today, the Council of Two will be looking at Doom. Will they appease us or fail? So, Dan, do you want to tell me what you are thinking of when you're thinking about the Book of Dune, or Dune, whichever way you want to say it, by Frank Herbert? Um, what do you anticipate getting from this book? To be honest, I'm going into it pretty blind. I've had, um, I had a friend who suggested that I should read it. He said that it was really good. And um, my dad, being of a certain age, uh, knows the film. So just a lot of people saying it was sort of like a good general sort of sci-fi book. And that being the sort of thing I like, I thought, all right, I'll go into that. Even though I've had people say it can be quite confusing. <laughs> what about you? Oh, I should clarify. I was going to say, I should clarify for the both of us. I've actually read Dune before and I read it about 20-ish years ago. And I do remember for me that... It was weird, some of the terminology, like, what is it to be human? I never got over that, and that's in the first couple of pages, which we'll discuss fairly soon. Mm. But for me, because I kind of vaguely remember it, it's a different kind of anticipation, if that makes sense. Whereas you're, you're as you said, you're going in totally blind, and I'm kind of half blind because I just don't remember. Other than, of course, I do actually remember vaguely seeing the film. Dan, don't watch the film. Don't do it. <laughs> Well, at least don't watch the 1987 oh no 84 version i think it is there's a new one coming out which kind of why we're kind of talking about this book really because who wouldn't want to read the book before the film yeah that's um it's always a sin if you don't isn't it basically well yes and we both know the book is always going to be better than the film 100 percent. yeah yeah i mean having actually ironically watched the trailer this morning and i was like oh yeah i can see where they're coming from and also Maybe you should watch the trailer for the 1984 one, <laughs> where you see Paul, um, the main character in it. In 1984, he looks like a buff 20-something young man. But then when you read the book, he's like, is it 15 or 16? Um, 16, I believe. Yes, yeah, 16. So there we have it. So for me, the anticipation is a reread and hopefully finally understanding what on earth they're going on about when they talk about the humans compared to everybody else and for me it's kind of weird the fact that they class the whole of humanity as animals unless they pass this test and they're human mm. but the ironic thing is as well from what i recall is the Bene Gesserits are the ones that administer this test and they're 90 percent women no man is a Bene Gesserit yeah have you know yeah i've no yeah which leads nicely <laughs> I was going to say, which leads nicely to the first 50 pages. What do you think so far in the first 50 pages? Um, I probably found the first, oh, roughly 30 pages rather confusing. Um, especially since you have the whole thing about what it is to be animal and what it is to be human. Um, yeah, see exactly my point. Though I do I have a sort of I take didn't get on it. it. Then. <laughs> I do have a sort of take on what the, um, oh, what was it, the Reverend Mother said. Um, oh yeah go for if it if i can find it because this is a stumbling block for me i think that really annoyed me the when i read it 20 odd years ago as a teenager okay that yeah. tells people age but you know <laughs> um, um it's a fact that i just didn't get it and i i too had to i i wrote notes it was very exciting i, I wrote notes as well I'll, I'll do the quote that i think i found um where it goes why do you test for humans he asked mm. to set you free free once men turned their thinking over to machines in the hope that this would set them free that only permitted other men with machines to enslave them yeah 
So is that the kind of quote you were thinking of? Because I'm kind of like... It was actually a more different one. It was... Um, oh, interesting. She was talking about how an animal, when caught in a trap, will only oh, think yeah. of itself. Oh, so their arm off. It'll gnaw their yeah. arm or leg off, their arm off. and leave. Yeah. Whereas a human will wait for the trapper so no one else has to go through that. And in a way, it's sort of showing how people can be selfish and how that's maybe more an animalistic trait. No, that's true. I just found it really weird then. She asks him to stick his hand in this box and he feels such pain mm. that, of course, you want to... Isn't it human instinct to just, if you're in pain, to try and stop the pain? Not stand there like a twit, <laughs> just enduring the pain. That just says to me, you've you've done, what is it, the flight or fright? Mm. And you've just stood there in fright. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's an odd concept, to say the least. Which is why I think I got so stuck on this. And the other thing I noticed as well is the Bene Gesserits. Oh, no, actually, it wasn't the Bene Gesserits that I kind of got stuck on. It's almost in the first kind of, as we both say, 50-ish pages, where it's the role of the women that is a bit odd to me because Lady Jessica, she's not the wife of the Duke Leto, mm. she's the concubine. I was very interested in the use of the word concubine compared to, say, wife, because from what you read, because she basically bore him a child, she looks after him. It sounds like she's doing the wife role, but they've given her the role of concubine, which to me almost seems lesser than a wife. That Historically speaking, concubines are less than wives. They have lesser rights. So I thought at first he was kind of Oh, if I say a little pre prejudiced against women, I don't mean that in the, oh, he hates all women and everything. Mm. I just feel like it's almost lesser. But then you look at the Bene Gesserits, and the Bene Gesserits are the women with the Bene Gesserits. It's all women. And any man who tries to be a Bene Gesserit, it seems, like, dies. Although I feel like that might be the, what's it called, the Kuwetzhadarak? Well, it says, um, it for me, it's on page 14. But she talks ah. about how it's all about the truth sayer drug. Um, ah, yeah. And basically she goes, ah, the truth sayer will take that and she can only see the female avenues of the past. Whereas apparently yeah. one day there's meant to be a man who can take the drug and see both male and female pasts. But the yeah, drug... Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, but the drug just kills all men, essentially, apart from the chosen one, essentially. Well, it's true. And then you go back to the sudden thought that if the main goal of the Bene Gesserit is to find the humans, mm. does that mean they also test the men and the men survive, but they can't take the truth sayer drug? Or does this mean that they don't test the men because men aren't human? Yeah, um, I think they had something about that as well, actually. I think it was just rare to have a man tested. Yeah, because it also leads to the fact a little bit where, really, I didn't realise it, but Lady Jessica's a bit of a rebel. Mm. I mean, look at it. I mean, she was the servant of the Reverend Mother and then she kind of became the concubine of Duke Leto. Mm. And she was supposed to produce a girl, a girl that was supposed to basically solve the problem between the can't. Harkons? Harkons. <laughs> I can never say the name right. And the... I want to say Atreides. I'm just terrible with names. Um, if you had a girl, the girl could marry into the Harkons. Problem solved. Mm. But no, she had a boy because that's what the Duke wanted. And I feel like she loved the Duke and gave him what he wanted. And now she's got the consequences of it because she's got a son. 
and her son she's also teaching him the ways of the Bene Gesserit as well so yeah she is um yeah so it's quite interesting there's like odd odd things with the female role that also they're quite powerful but also he's given this woman a role in a way that's lesser than a wife so yeah exactly <laughs> it's a bit of an odd dynamic there but i think it's quite interesting that there that was the first thing i picked up on actually when reading that first 50 pages is that women do have quite a powerful role in a way within that like the universe of of dune at least on that planet anyway well i think it's across the board because um the i think it's the reverend mother does mention oh no it wasn't the reverend mother that mentioned it it was harkon in his dastardly plan which we'll get to in a second <laughs> oh, um that made me laugh where he scene. mentioned i know <laughs> where you you hear about the emperor himself and he has consorts again not a wife mm. maybe they're using consort in place of a wife but to me that's just not consort, concubine, sorry. Mm. I keep saying consort. Concubine, but just, just it just tells me that it's lesser. And the emperor has concubines, and he's had all girls, so... Mm. Or could it be that mm. sort of marriage and that wife title is only used for strengthening the bonds between families? Because that's why the reverend mother went, oh, you should have born a daughter, then you could have married into the other family. And then that would have eliminated yeah. any difficulty. Whereas... A concubine is there to provide children bond between two houses. Yeah. I mean, we're kind of looking at this in a very modernistic sense. Because oh, yeah. How old is this book? I'm just I looking up dread- my very old copy. 1965? Oh, wow. So, yes, yeah, um, a decent age. It's a decent age, but also we're looking from this worldview. In, but we're forgetting, of course, that this is a totally different world. Mm. And that, almost to take it with a pinch of salt and... Or maybe I'm just guilty of it, but I'm thinking in terms of this world and what it means in this world. But it might be that, you're right, that concubine is actually meant as wife in this universe. Mm. Maybe we just haven't... Well, I admit, I have not seen any YouTube videos or read any extra stuff in anticipation (laughs) for reacting to this book. Because sometimes you need a fresh perspective. You don't want to watch or read anything that may give you too much theory sometimes it's nice to form your own thing and then have a little oh yeah tentative step into (laughs) (laughs) which i suppose leads nicely in the dastardly plan of the harkons yeah that's um um... (laughs) what's your thought of how uh, see for me it's almost like it's always weird the fact that um frank herbert put this kind of like very obvious insert it's almost world building but it's not and that's the thing i should have mentioned before he's not world building from the get-go he's straight in with the gom jabbar which we're all like what's a gom jabbar Mm -hmm. even paul's asking what's a gom jabbar (laughs) and he's not really building the world he's not giving the information he's letting us kind of almost peel back the onion because there's layers <laughs> it doesn't have to be an onion it could be a parfait to quote donkey <laughs> but i think it's good thing that frank herbert put the insert for where the harkon harkons or harkonians are coming from because otherwise the next chapter basically goes into the everybody knows this is what's happening and we'll yeah. be like what's happening yeah it is um yeah, it was such an odd odd thing that it was very... Like, they even said, oh, yeah, the um the other family... I can't remember how to pronounce their name. But the other family actually know what's going on. And it's just... 
yeah, it's such an odd section, but it did help fill in a lot of. The, yeah, it did some world building, as you said, like the whole thing about how, like, how important this company is in the whole realm oh, yeah, of chome. Yeah, <laughs> it, it makes me laugh every time I see that. And yeah, because um, it makes me think of foam for some reason. Yeah, I don't know why, but chome and foam. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just. Yeah, I found that such a weird scene, especially like the relationship between the Baron and is it Peter or Peter? Peter. It's just such. They seem to hate each other with such a passion, but they they have to keep yeah, this working, working relationship. <laughs> well, the thing, and this is the thing as well. I think maybe I've read too many books where they basically have an info dump almost, and Frank Herbert is doing almost the opposite where. You got no clue what's going on, really, mm. and you have to read it like two or three or four times to actually grasp all the nuances because he's not telling you what a mentat is, he's not telling you what Chome is or what the Spacers Guild really is. You're kind of seeing it in a really odd way, which is fascinating because I don't really see many books like that nowadays. Yeah, a lot of people or authors go for more of an info dump. I don't know about you, maybe that's just the books I'm reading. No, I know what you mean. He's sort of he's talking about it and writing writing about it as if it's someone who was already brought up in that universe and already knew about this from birth so they're just talking about it as just as they would to anyone else and not having to go mm. through and explain everything because it's something that is already known because all these people in in the book know about the company they know about the emperor and all of that and it's from that perspective rather than from an outsider going oh what's this what's that that's what i get mm. anyway i'm not sure if that made any yeah. sense i mean to me though i'm like Going back to the plan a little bit, I I kind of, I'm not sure entirely why they want to destroy the Atreides family. That's, maybe it reveals later on. I'm so very vague. I've read this <laughs> so long ago that I basically don't remember anything. But it's the fact, weirdly, that this Mentat seems to be on the corrupt side and he basically wants Lady Jessica, which is kind of creepy. Mm. But also the fact that they just want to utterly destroy the Atreides and also they think they can get away with it. Yeah, well, from from what I what I get, this sort of leads into a, a point I had a little bit later on. Is um, you know when Paul is having his duel with Halleck? That's oh, it. Halleck. Yes, yeah, that's what I read too. Because we're both we're both <laughs> reading at different uh, different copies. So what my fifty was was different to his fifty. Yeah. But yeah, it was Halleck. Um, is that in that duel? They obviously they had these personal shields that can block stuff, but they're using swords. Oh yeah. So it's a mixture of sort of futuristic stuff and nearly medieval. And that's the sort of feeling I get with the way everything's set out. It's actually, and that links to another point. Sorry, I'm all over the place now. Um, <laughs> where the, oh, what's she called? Reverend Mother. She says that it's bad enough without the complication of a feudal trade culture, which turns its back on most science. So... You've got this sort of medieval era thrust into the future. So they've got all these intergalactic ships and that. And going back, you had a lot of infighting within... Sort of, you had your king and then you have everyone infighting sometimes. So I'm getting the feeling it's like that, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it feels... I think you're right. It feels very ancient. This whole universe feels like not... It makes you think weirdly of Star Wars. Not because it's similar in what's going to happen, but kind of like the otherness of it and the fact that it just feels so almost divorced from what we know of which is great for a sci-fi because that's exactly how it's supposed to be but it's the fact that also it has that really ancient feel as if 
this is what they've been doing and it has that kind of like you're right that medieval feel where it feels like it needs a change mm. it gave me um, that's what it's ripe for yeah it gave me very strong uh warhammer vibes um where you have like in that universe you've got the imperium of man and it's all very sort of in that universe it's more sort of nearly steampunk but that sort of yeah sort of feudal society in space which to be honest that really set it off for me that's where i really started to enjoy the book is that sort of combination of old and new coming together and like you said the need for change to happen yes it's very obvious that there is a definite need to change because i mean let's look at this let's look about the harkonian plan again because what we know now from the harkonian plan compared to what they know well what they think they know for the plan is the emperor is helping the harkonians okay I don't know if you noticed that. Um, I didn't. I made a note. Oh, yes. Um, yes. It is the... Um, sorry, I'm just looking at my notes. If you can hear that in the background, <laughs> it's my notes. It's the... I'm going to say this really wrong. Saradaka... Oh, I definitely said that wrong. Legions. Mm. Which, of course, is the crack troops of the Emperor. So the Emperor and the Harkonians are very much focused on this. And this is why I'm like, why are they so focused on this man? Because it's not as if it's... A really rich dukedom. I mean, maybe I'm just missing something really obvious, but I didn't think that Duke Leto was all powerful or that, or maybe there's been some maneuverings that we're mm. not aware of. Well, at the beginning of this book, I think because I, I can't decide. I might have because I read a little bit further on it. Might be in that section or not. But it seems that the whole government system. You've got the emperor, and then I think you've got the guild. Or like the different factions like that and then you've got the houses and mm. they all sort of like team up with each other for different things etc but it seems like um duke leto is extremely popular among the houses and he's gaining a lot of support there and yes the emperor probably doesn't like that considering what's going on and either neither do the hut is it harkonnens i believe Harkonnens. I think I think we're both going to say it wrong, yeah. but we'll go with Harkonnens. <laughs> yeah. So it seems that there is that, in a way, division amongst sort of the government there, and obviously the emperor passed on the stewardship to Duke Leto as well. So he actually put him in the position of having is it Arrakis, the planet. Arrakis. Yeah. yeah. Um. So he's put him in that position where he is taking stewardship of that planet, but then he's also siding with the Harkonnens to kill him. So. Yeah, it's all it's all very weird. And of course, I vaguely remember this from when I saw the film or whatever. The spice that's mined on this planet, I feel like I'm going to do a big spoiler alert, but we're spoiling the book anyway. <laughs> the spice is what turns people's eyes blue. Mm, yeah. And that's what is needed for the Space Guild, from what I recall in the vague distance of my mind. So it is an important planet, which I think is why the Harkonnens are... Having such a, I'd call this a very bold plan to get rid of Duke Leto because, in one foul swoop, they're going to get rid of a house that was a rival to them and apparently was a blood feud going on. They also get power really over the Emperor because mm. the Emperor is giving crack troops and, you know, it's almost like a blackmail thing or maybe not, depending on it. And also, they're going to get Arrakis back and all Duke Leto stuff. And they get dictatorship over Trom. Tram. Trom. What's that? Trom? Trom. Trom. <laughs> I still can't say it. Some of what you were saying sort of gets explained in the next um, couple of chapters after where you 
you read up to um, oh that's good because um i'm like i'm sure there's an explanation but would you like me to spoil it for you just... or shall i leave it for you to oh, read go on then spoil it spoil it for me so the duke he essentially knows that he knows exactly what's going on he knows that there's going to be an attempt on his life he even knows or he greatly assumes that emperor's special forces will be involved in it as well so he knows exactly what's going on and he also he's talking to um Paul about spice and basically going whoever controls the spice controls everything and if people start mm. hoarding spice that makes them more powerful and more influential yeah hence why this planet is so important yeah and basically because the Harkonnens have had control of it for such a long time they have this huge stockpile of spice and that leaves them in such a powerful position um and essentially it looks like the whole thing is a lot of it is about profit in that chapter it all talks about profit and how because the impression i got was it that's the other thing that's very different from like the kind of sci-fi medieval style is the fact that it almost seems like they're talking about the noble houses as like big trading houses instead maybe we should see it from that perspective where they're trading houses and profit is everything. Yeah, it seems... Um, Which is what the impression I got. Yeah, in, in some ways that, that does have some links with um, Star Wars. With I'm not sure how into Star Wars you are, or at all. <laughs> well, I quite enjoy Star Wars, but this is like 20 years before that. Yeah, so. <laughs> but you've got, the, um, you've got the trade guilds in there and in the prequels. And if people haven't seen the prequels, they've been out for 20 years. So you've got to have watched it by now. And they essentially are able to move into certain areas and become extremely powerful and extremely wealthy and they help fund mm. a um, separation of worlds from the main republic and so it gives me that sort of vibe of they're that powerful that profit drives everything and yeah i don't know i sort of lost my way with that one that, that's the impression i was getting from the uh, book itself that profit is everything and that it's the spice is basically the profit. This, if you control the spice, you control kind of almost the universe, which is really weird because wouldn't you think that the emperor would directly control it? Yeah, you think that he would position himself on that planet and have everything. Well, yeah, or he have direct control rather than giving it to somebody. It yeah. just that's a bit weird to me. To me, it makes more sense that as emperor, and if that's the most powerful thing, why why aren't you controlling it? Yeah, the role of the emperor in this is very is very confusing because he seems to have a lot of power, but also seems to relinquish a lot of power at the same time. Yeah, no, I know it's it's just very weird. But we're only fifty pages, well, fifty ish pages in. Yeah. So it could only get better, so to speak, <laughs> or more confusing. <laughs> or more confusing, exactly. Was there anything else you wanted to add to our first fifty page discussion? Um, I don't think there is too much i did want to mention the other interesting point that i did note it's the last thing i did note um is the role that the bene Gesserit also believe they have where the mother rather mother is seeking to keep bloodlines going if possible and this is why she was so frustrated with jessica for Mm. having a son because they want to preserve as much bloodline as possible and Weirdly, those of the Bene Gesserit line quite often don't know who their parents are, which I also find really weird. I don't like that thought. Yeah. Jessica doesn't know her grandfather, I think it is. Hmm. And to me, that's really weird. I-, I know that in the book it says because they may want her to, say, marry into a close relative to form a dominant, dominant? dominant line, but that also smacks of 
why don't you marry your sister or brother and have a child like Cleopatra does in Egypt? Mm. That's the vibe I got from that. Yeah, yeah. I think I thankfully glossed over that um, in during, in my reading. Um, I think it's because I, I, I've never really noticed, because I was thinking more about the women and the women's role from this, and it's something I never noticed before, but it's something I'm suddenly really noticing, but mm. you're probably getting a different perspective. <laughs> yeah, so it's, um, yeah, it's definitely been intriguing, the first 50 pages. Somewhat confusing. If yeah. it gets more confusing, I might end up rambling like a madman by the end of podcast of this book. Um. <laughs> well, it's half the fun, I think, because I'm sure other people have had exactly the same thoughts of us. So are you excited to read the next, what was it, 200 pages and we'll get back together for <laughs> what's happening at the end of the 200? <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely excited once we get to the end of book one in book one. I believe. Yes. The, if you didn't know, uh, June is split into three books within the first book because um, there's a whole plethora of books. I have been told, as a side note, not to read the ones written by Frank Herbert's son because they're no good. Okay, that's But I haven't heard much more than that. Yeah, I know. It's really weird. I mean, I have heard that Paul's children also spoiler alert they become like dictators but i can't be sure about that because i only read june i've never read any of the other ones so okay. that's the extent of my knowledge i probably have it totally wrong <laughs> but we're gonna re- we're gonna read to the end of the first book called june in the first book also called june <laughs> yeah so it'll be um it'll be good to have that done <laughs> so we'll read to the end of that and we're gonna come back to you guys Whoever you are, the amorphous... Well, I was going to say the amorphous uh, audience, but it's just you and me, really. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, yeah. If you do watch, thank you. And if you get yeah. to the end, thank you even more for putting up with our uh, our voices. Yeah, but, I mean, if that's 50 pages, the next 200... Wow. I know. We're going to have so much to talk about. Or not, because it depends on what we remember. And that's the interesting thing, because we've both remem- we've only both just read 50 pages mm. in the last, what, three or four days? We're going to probably take at least a week or two to read the next 200-ish. Mm. Ish. Yeah, easily. So that's all from us for today. Hopefully you've enjoyed listening to our discussion. We're going to go with discussion, because if I say ramble, that just makes it sound like we don't know what we're doing at all. Yeah, yeah, discussions definitely sounds better. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, discussion sounds better. So we will see you in the next podcast. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next video. Yeah, bye everyone. Bye. The Council of Two will continue to deliberate next week. They will bring in yet another person to help decide on the Epic of Doom.